0: You're listening to the Trainumentary. On this episode, we visit with musician and Coltrane band member Jimmy Cobb. About those Prestige recordings, we used to do these in uh, Rudy Van Gelder's living room that's before he had the studio and uh, we used to go over in New Jersey and uh, sometimes I think uh, Train would probably use whoever was available at the time you know because they, they did something over there maybe every every week so he used he would use different people in different kind of setups you know like a lot of times he would use like different tenor players and you know like four tenor players and they would play and he would use whatever rhythm section was available that's what he used to do he used to do his tunes and do them with different rhythm sections that he had came out and, uh, and then he would choose. So that's probably what happened with a lot of Prestige recordings over there in Rudy's, Rudy's uh, living room. He would uh, either use the for drummers, he would use the, the bass. He, Paul, he would use probably every time because I think maybe at that time him and Paul were staying together in Brooklyn. You know, so like every record they came up. But not only that, Paul was a premier bass player at the time. So And uh, whoever drummer, whatever drummer would be there. He would use Joe and, and uh maybe he would use Red Garland and Joe sometime, the Miles you know, the Miles uh, nucleus. He would use if Joe couldn't make it me would probably use Arthur Taylor. And maybe if Arthur Taylor couldn't make it, he probably might use me. And if I couldn't make it, he probably used Tootie. So it was a chain. It was some of it was sort of like jam session because he would come in with music for the horns and music for everybody and you know? that's what we would try to do. You know, it's hard to do like whole sessions in you know? a four or five-hour shot, you know, like if you, you needed 60 minutes of music. So uh, a lot of that was like, you know, cop and blow. So uh, that's what we did. <laughs> He was a, he was a great musician. I think he started playing alto in uh in Jimmy Heath. Jimmy Heath had a band in uh Philadelphia. And uh he was like maybe the alto player on that until Bird came to town and he heard Bird and he just said, Well another alto is for Charlie Pop, I guess. So he he got to the tenor, so he played through some rock and roll bands or at that time they called him rhythm and blues. And uh, you know, he played all the things. He had the basics of uh, a lot of bottom in his playing, you know. He knew about all kinda of, He's been kind of all kind of areas in his playing, you know, so he had the whole package and then standing up against Sonny Rollins every night. He got he learned a lot from that, I'm sure. At one time, he was with Earl Bostic, and Earl Bostic was a great alto saxophone player, and he probably learned a lot of things about the horn from Earl Bostic that uh, he probably wouldn't have learned anyplace else, because Earl Bostic, was a master at playing uh, notes that weren't on the horn. You know, like uh, maybe a whole scale that wasn't on the horn. Some kind of way he did it with false fingering or something. And I think Coltrane kind of learned some of that from him. And nobody really—only the guys that's really close to this music know know that. You know, but uh, I think that's where some of it came from. <laughs> She was trying to be strong enough to stay with it, Keep it as uh, swinging, you know, like that So, uh, like, it's what all drummers had to do with him Elvin had to do it And Elvin had the strength to do it Because Elvin would sometimes, jumping forward uh, When he had his band Elvin and him used to just play After, after you know, McCoy and Jimmy would just lay out And they would play like six, eight choruses on their own Just them and them Elvin used to be so wet when he came off of the stand that he could wring sweat out of his pants, you know, so, like, that, that's how hard he worked. And he was strong enough to do it, so there wasn't a lot of guys to do that because that's probably why he called me, you know, I could hold up, and that's probably why he got Roy because, you know, he could too. There was a time where he was uh, when he was with Miles' band he was playing next to Sonny Rollins Miles had hired Sonny Rollins and uh, Coltrane Son, at that point Sonny Rollins was a saxophone colossus you know so like he used to go up every, every night on the bandstand and have to face Sonny Rollins, you know. So I guess he figured after, after whatever time he spent taking that whipping, <laughs> he, had to, he had to figure out something that he that he could do, you know, to uh, to remedy some of that, you know. So like I guess that he worked on all those devices. He used to practice them all the time. So he practiced them constantly like he did it like he didn't thought he didn't have a lot a lot of time left or something you know so like he used to practice on the stand he used to play like 20 minutes solo on the stand and then get off an intermission go in the corner stand up and practice you know so like uh he was into it i mean really into it it paid off because he got what uh, i guess he got what he wanted For more information on the program, visit Got you know, Me and the piano players just say he's crazy. <laughs> Every time he would play the three note thing, he'd fall out laughing, you know, like, like
1: <laughs> he's nuts. say, <laughs> but uh, you know, he's just crazy like a fox.